Hello, welcome to the Lone Show. I'm your host, John Maylone. In this episode, don't have any regulars, because reasons, as always. As for our guest, she is from Auburn, New York. She's a writer, lecturer, and producer in the horror genre. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mo Mashady. Ah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. So, how's okay. life? Uh, it's good. Um, I'm actually about 20, 22 days post-recovery from having emergency appendectomy surgery. <laughs> oh, I so, love that. Yeah, so exciting. Exciting times. Never a dull moment. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Have you been up too much recently? Um, No, just kind of still writing. Just came back fresh from... Uh, Stoker Con, which is basically the Oscars for horror writers, and um, that was my first one. So it's pre pre publication date. Um, the publication date for my book is July fifth, so we're gearing up to just promote that. And then I'll have two books coming out in twenty twenty four. So it was really about just making connections and meeting people, meeting my horror book heroes. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, very good. How long have you been an author for? Um, per published author for the last three years. Um, I've been writing uh, short stories for myself and circulars and uh, for speaking engagements for about 10 years. Um, so it's nice to be on the other side of other people enjoying my work as opposed to just myself and a group of like 30 people. Um, so that's been pretty good. Nice. Very good. So... What, what brought you to become a lecturer at some point? So I am a behavioral uh, science major. So I am a cognitive behavioral therapist. So I mostly work with PTSD in women. So when I can marry mental health and the horror genre, um, it's a real, real pleasure for me. So mostly what I lecture on is the trauma featured in horror cinema, mostly women's trauma in horror cinema. So I've been very, very lucky to do that with uh, Prairie View, Texas A&M here in the States. Um, I've been able to do that with University of Sheffield in the UK and for Final Girls uh, Film Fest in Berlin. So I've been kind of all over the map with with sharing that. And that's been, it's one of my absolute favorite things to do because I love to talk horror cinema. I love to talk how um, horror actually can help heal us and our anxieties through the world and actually help our mental and emotional health and really just to kind of be archival with it. I love horror from a very young age and from, from very, very early on um, from forties, fifties horror to now um, anytime I can talk about that as well is a, always a good time. So I'll always choose lecturing on that aspect. Mm, fantastic. Yes. So out of the books you've already written and the books are yet to be written how mm -hmm. many books would that be um hopefully by the end of this year will be five fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> nothing nothing comes up and um you know I'm, I'm never gonna turn down a lecturing piece obviously with lecturing you do need to do powerpoints and and a lot of other preparation for that so i'm never going to um say no to that but if i can stay on the good schedule that i'm on hopefully i will have five finished books um, by the end of this year, which will 
it's never a, a spot where you can kind of relax either and, and settle into what you always need to be writing because the publishing um, area is very glacial with the way things move. So you can't really rest on your laurels, even though it's a slow piece, you always need to have something in the pipeline. So fingers crossed for me that I will have five. <laughs> oh, yes, me too. <laughs> fingers crossed. Oh, yes. I'll what has been the longest trip you have taken? Ooh, the longest trip I've taken. Oh, probably going to, coming back from an LA trip once was I think 13 hours. <laughs> that was a really long day. I mean, I know it's nothing compared to somebody going to like Australia um spending 27 hours on a plane. Um but yeah, it was 13 hours. It usually takes about six, seven hours to get to LA. Um, and it took me about 13 hours because we had to get off of our plane. We had to land someplace that was not our connection and deplane and replane because there was a mechanical error on the plane that we were on, <laughs> which was terrifying. So I was like, absolutely, I will get off this plane and do whatever you need to do. Um, so that pretty much took me all day. I think I arrived home the very very wee hours of the morning the following day and had taken off from LA ooh, around like 11 o'clock so yeah that's the longest flight I've like, longest trip that I've taken that wasn't really um enjoyable <laughs> ah very good would you rather sleep on the wall or sleep on the ceiling <laughs> what an odd question I'm going to say probably the wall because then I know I can get down. <laughs> that makes sense. And get down instead of fall down, I guess. Yeah. That's a good one. Very good oh, question. Yes. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Are there points for that? Is that, a, is that a good? Yes, it's good enough. Good answer. All right. Good, oh, yes. Good, good, good. Yes. What happens in real life but rarely gets portrayed in movies? Ooh, um, what happens in real life but rarely gets portrayed in movies? I would probably say um, the way people handle their own trauma. Um, and I say that mostly because there have been movies that portray it very well, like the aftermath, how people are working through it. Um, but I think one thing that doesn't really get portrayed realistically is how long that um, and how linear that particular healing can be. Um, I feel like we've all seen like the the trauma of, well, you know, take something like a superhero. There's always somebody that's close to them that's gotten hurt or killed. And that is the catalyst. And now they're obviously a, a vigilante and, and super superhero out of that. And that's OK. That's like everybody's origin story. And we kind of allow it. Um, to do that but I don't think all of us turn into superheroes <laughs> after that um, and I wish there would be a little bit more of a realer or more real um, exploration of the quiet um, healing that people do um, and how exponential that can be to their life um, and how it's like you have almost have to incorporate new parameters to operate because you are still in a grieving process. So I'd like to see more better representation in that because um, I don't really see it very much. What improved your life quality so much you wish you did it sooner? 
Oh, writing. <laughs> really, of writing. Um, I wrote um, for a lot of my college life. I was definitely, the short form is my life. I, I write short story collections. So I really took to that um, in in my late high school years into my college years. And I kind of dropped it when I was like, this This is not a quantifying <laughs> and payable vocation that I should spend my time on. Um, and I didn't submit. I had hundreds of stories of things that I, I probably should have submitted somewhere or given to somebody for a magazine, just so, some sort of publication. Um, and I didn't do that. I kind of really put the pause on that for about 20 years. And it wasn't until I really started being like, you know, this is pretty good. Somebody should take a look at this. Then I started to really get great feedback and started to get published. So I think for me, if I just stuck with it in, in as I view it now, I'm not trying to get rich. I am definitely trying to do it for the enjoyment of myself and, and for others. But I definitely think that I should have started submitting to journals with my writing a heck of a lot sooner. Nice. Very good. Where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Oh, God. <laughs> Hopefully still alive. That would be great. Um, you know, honestly, I, I love these kind of questions because I feel like you get these in job interviews, too, when you don't intend to be at the job for more than five years. <laughs> um, but I, I think this is such a fun question because I think, for me, it's really just making sure I would like to be anywhere where I feel that I'm still constantly growing as a writer, um, where I feel that I am, um, you know, in a space where I am always like loved and supported. I don't think it has to do anything with like, I would be like to working here or whatever. I want to take vacations every month. I think it's, you know, really wanting to, to hopefully get to that space where there isn't a, but comma, like I like where this is going, but I would also like to have this. Um, I'd like to be in an area where I don't have necessarily a want, but I have everything that I need, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Perfect. Yes. I rarely make sense. So I thank you for indulging me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> what kind of music do you often listen to? Ooh, um, it really depends on my mood. I was just discussing this with someone the other day. Um, if I am in a very pensive or grumpy mood, I will definitely listen to like superhero soundtracks. Um, I listen to a lot of like Max Richter, who is, um, I listen to a lot of um, just more instrumental brooding type of music. If I am happy, I'm listening to, you know, like 70s funk, R&B, Curtis Mayfield especially. Um, if I'm, you know, in a rush or I'm really trying to get things done or if I'm like working out, it's definitely going to be like 80s, early 80s, like new wave. So, yeah, kind of running the gamut of everything. Like my Apple Music <laughs> is, is just atrocious. It's the dumbest <laughs> list of uh, hodgepodge, but um yeah, it's definitely got to be a mix for me. It's all things need to be available for me because it's never just one, one genre. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? 
an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, unlimited supply. Um, probably time with the people I care about most. Ah, very nice. Which puts me in the immortal aspect, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> What takes a lot of time, but it's definitely worth it? Ooh, outlining a story. <laughs> um, I think for me, even though that I write short form stories that don't take up a lot, you know, that's not a, it's not a hundred thousand word novel. It's not like a huge thick piece, but um, I think when you write short form, you really need to get in and get out as soon as possible. Like you need to drop the story and be very succinct with, and especially in the horror genre, very succinct with like your scares and and how you want your reader to feel at the end of it. So for me, I really spend a lot of time, maybe over necessary time on creating the outline for my stories. I break them up into acts. I have like character bios that people are never going to read or never going to see. Um, but it definitely helps me break down the motivation of my character like they're not obviously going to do this thing because they're afraid of this or they wouldn't say this because of their values in this so it keeps me on track as to who my point of view is you know what point of view it's coming from what character's point of view and it makes me stay true to the character in the story um but definitely outlining probably takes me longer to write than the actual story but definitely worth it oh yes that's that's very useful Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would you rather speak all languages or talk to animals? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't have both. Is both an option? Um, Unfortunately, no. <laughs> no. I would probably say... I would probably say speak all languages because they're... I think what I like most about... <laughs> What I like most about my personal animals, my animals that I have, is that they are quietly supportive and loving. And I don't really want to know what's on their minds because I feel like they are just here for me and to follow me around my home and to always be like, I'm always the top priority for them. So, but I'd also like to speak all languages because there's so many people around this world that have so many really great gifts um, that speak and write and different languages that I'm absolutely just so fond of and would like to meet them someday. So I think languages is going to be it. Ah, very good. And now I've got a question for the top of my head. Okay. Have you ever imagined a world, nothing but gardens, gardens <laughs> everywhere? Okay. Have you thought about that? And you ever want to live in that world? Actually, you know what? I say yes, only because you know where it comes from? It comes from watching a lot of like post-apocalyptic things where like <laughs> nature has healed and it's growing all over these skyscrapers and buildings. Um, and I think that that is just a really great metaphor for the fact that life truly does go on. And it's always moving and it's always growing. There's always another story to be told in it. So, yes, I've thought about, I actually have thought about that. <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool if that could be, even if it wasn't the whole world, if it was just like 
a continent or half of a continent. Um, it would be so, so cool to check that out. Oh, yes. What's your favorite season? Ooh, my favorite season is fall or autumn. Um, because especially early autumn, because it's still kind of not coat weather, not necessarily hot. It's spooky season for, for me. So Halloween is my favorite holiday throughout the entire year. But also it's like just kind of warmth and family. People gather closer together. Holidays are coming up, but they're not crazy yet. And it's that nice little like lull before like the end of the year expectations take hold where you're like, I didn't do this this year. I'm a failure. <laughs> so you kind of have that little gap in between to kind of slow down before everything gets a little crazy and you get down on yourself about not completing something. All right, then. Yes, indeed. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, what decade would you want to live in? Ooh, probably. What decade? You know, um, <sighs> that's such a tough one because I think of <laughs> not wanting to live in turn of the century America or during the 30s with the Great Migration or during the Civil Rights Movement. So I'd probably go back to the 80s. 80s, I was a kid. Um, so that was a really, really great time for me to just kind of explore. There was so much great music. There was so much great art. The fashion was wild. I think that I really, really enjoyed that decade. And I would love to go back to that decade, kind of knowing what I knew now um especially for music and and stories um and just be a lot more voracious about it indeed yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you could host a talk show who would you have on as your first guest Ooh, i could host a talk show you know i would probably love to talk to um oh geez there's so many people. I would probably like to talk to my first guest would probably be um, probably Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan has done um, The Haunting of Hill House, um, Bly Manor, The Midnight Club. Um, one of my favorite movies, uh, Hush. Just really, really brilliant did Dr. Sleep, which was the sequel to The Shining many, many decades later. Um, just a really, really brilliant guy and really interesting eye for what the story needs to be. And I feel like that's such a weird way to say um, an eye for a story. But I think that he's such a visual writer that there's a lot of things that he creates um, that we just don't think about and that just completely come conveyed and, and very singular across on the screen. Um, and make it very um, palatable and relatable very quickly. He also is the king of what they call emo horror. So the emotional, sad horror, quiet, spooky, sad horror, which I absolutely love. That's the genre that I write in, which is very melancholy horror. Not a big, um, super slashy person. Doesn't mean I won't, won't get there or there won't be a story or two with that, but it's not really where I lean. But I think because he's the most relatable to the genre that I write in, which would, they would make a really good first guest for me. Nice, nice. 
if you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what would you have a good chance at winning a medal for? Clearing a charcuterie board. <laughs> <laughs> I would take all the medals. Can't talk. But that's one of my favorite things is <laughs> it sounds really dumb when you say it out loud. Um, but it is one of my favorite things. Um, it's just a, it's a little bite-sized snack board. Why not? It's a little bit of everything without feeling guilty about it. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> what was this? Yeah, what was the strangest dream you've ever had? Oh, hmm. Oh, you know, I had one. I actually, <laughs> I actually, this is a really dumb story. I actually had to get sent home from school because I fell asleep in school and had a dream that I, I continued a dream from the previous night and I woke up in the middle of the class screaming and I had to go home from school. So I was in uh, third grade and we had had, it was in the, in the eighties and we had unfortunately had like a space tragedy. We'd had the challenger explode. Um, one of our space shuttles that went up challenger exploded. And that was on the screens for like every kid in America, because there was a teacher astronaut that was up there. Um, and it was, we were all watching it live and, and happened. It was very traumatic for all of us. Um, and I had this dream that I had been chosen as the first like student to go. And I was kind of telling everybody, we can't get on the space shuttle. This is going to be awful. Um, no one would listen to me. And then I got, ended up caught in the Challenger explosion. So I, next morning, I, I obviously I didn't sleep that night. I was so tired. I fell asleep in school. Um, and then it was like the continuation of the dream was like, I was the only one that survived and I'm like parachuting down to earth and then woke up screaming. So that is probably the oddest, weirdest dream I've ever had because it's literally exactly like the first, not exactly, but, um, it's very close to the first, uh, final destination movie, which is where he doesn't get on the plane because he has a dream. The plane's going to explode. And he is one of the only survivors, him and someone else. Um, so I, the, the, when that movie came out, I was just like, that's just like the dream I had when I was like eight. So that'll always qualify as the weirdest dream that I've ever had. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> if someone wrote a book about you, what do you think its title would be? Oh, man. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> um god i i don't know hopefully something flattering because i can't think of anything right now that isn't self-deprecating um hopefully something flattering that's the best answer i can give you and hopefully something witty you know like a pun or like a, a word play or something um but you know hopefully something in a flattering light all right then What's your usual from your favorite fast food place? Ooh, fast food. Oh, it's probably easy going to be a McDonald's fry, like the McDonald's fries. <laughs> yes. Cannot top the McDonald's fries. Okay, where you go. Not yes. The same. Indeed. Oh, yes. Delicious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Another question. Sure. Bada boom, bada bing. Yes. Have you ever heard of a drink called Banana Friche? No. 
That's to okay. Play. I get that a lot of from a lot of people. <laughs> Am I supposed to have? Are you offering it? <laughs> no, I'm not sure because it's just, it's not a thing yet. But uh, eventually, you, could be. Are you creating it? <laughs> no, yeah, but okay. possibly. There you go. Yes. There you go. Have not heard about it. I'll be looking out for it though. Yes, it's going to be spectacular. There you go. <laughs> yes. Really sell it. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Do you like spicy food? Uh, yes and no. Um, it depends on my palate for some reason. And I've tried to, to really coach it into liking like super spicy stuff. Because, I mean, even super spicy things are, are very, very tasty. There is a warmth to it. There is a flavor. But I can't eat things that are way too spicy. Um. Because I definitely will be in agony for the rest of the day. Um, and I just have like a, it It will stay with me longer than it needs to. So I don't enjoy it. So most often I will not choose a spicy food. Okay. That's cool. I guess. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. It could be worse. Yep. Can't, we can't win them all. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> What hobby would you get into if time and money weren't an issue? Oh, hobby if time and money weren't an issue. Oh, honestly, probably collecting vintage movie posters. Sounds silly, but I absolutely adore them. Um, and like, you know, just... 20s, 30s, 40s, golden, you know, the gilded age of, like, Hollywood, those types of posters where everything was very, like, propaganda-looking and and very, like, um, basic but super, super colorful. Um, I would want to collect as many of those, you know, Turner Classic, Criterion-type um, film posters as I could. And I know some of them are quite expensive right now. <laughs> All right, then. That's be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What you got? Uh, I got a lot of things, to be honest. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? London. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Trying to head there right now. That's the goal. Hopefully, we'll be moving there by next year. Oh yes. Yeah. But I heads up. <laughs> It's going to be expensive. Oh, I already know. <laughs> I already know very well. Yes. <laughs> it's a downer, but I'm trying yes. to keep my spirits up. It is what it is. Yes. <laughs> if you could use magic to do one mundane task for the rest of your life, what would it be? Cleaning my house. <laughs> oh, Cleaning yes. Cleaning my house or the cat litter box. I don't know. Both of them are equally important. Ah, uh, yes. Of course. Yes. If if you had to get rid of a holiday, which would you get rid of? Get rid of a holiday? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, honestly, it's going to sound dumb, but probably Labor Day, because there's people that still have to work on Labor Day, so it's not really a vacation holiday where everybody gets it off. Um, so I would say Labor Day... 
I would take that away unless they really plan on giving everybody the day off. And I understand some people can't, you know, their necessities, you know, hospitals, things like that. But um, that one I would probably take away. Sounds silly, but probably. Yeah, it's understandable. <laughs> like, like, what was even the, the, the reason behind Labor Day anyway? I don't know. I was t- to celebrate uh laborers but then we all became laborers and it's we can't get away from it yes yes a holiday about workers is an absolute oxymoron yes <laughs> yes it makes no sense agreed oh yes if you had to lose one of your senses which would you choose to lose if I had to lose one of my senses, oh gosh, probably smell. My sense of smell. <laughs> I feel like that, that would, I would have to, if I had to lose something, I, it would probably be smell because I still would want to taste my food that I probably wouldn't be able to taste very well because the olfactory and your salivary system work together. But I would probably say smell. Okay, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and that is all we have for this episode. It's great <laughs> having you on now, talking about writer, lecturers, producer of all the horror genre and everything else. It's been fabulous. Yes, Moma Shadi, that's me. <laughs> Thanks so yes. much. You're welcome. And until next time, stay tuned for more.